When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Ellie Nick. Co-host, Catherine Brandt. Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen. And sitting in for Andy, Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back with Hour 2 with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, how long have you been at KQ? 36 years now. Wow, that's loyalty. Well, if I'm completely honest, it isn't the company that I'm loyal to. It's the listeners. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another great month at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan. In fact, Burnsville continues to be the number one Nissan store in Minnesota. The loyalty part. Get to the loyalty part. Oh, yeah. This month, if you buy or lease a new Rogue or a Pathfinder from us, we'll give you an extra 500 off as long as you own or are leasing a Nissan. That is cool. Do they have to trade it? Nope. It's just a reward for being loyal. By the way, the new Pathfinder is fantastic. It's got a nine-speed transmission, and JLo says it'll practically pull the building. We also cut a deal with our good buddy Charlie Swenson, who's running a Nissan store in Chicago. He gave us some extra rogues. Because Charlie's such a nice guy. Well, Paul might have threatened him. Sounds like Paul. For details, go to Walzer Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan and claim your loyalty gift. Tommy, give him some Elvis loyalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, I'd like to thank the Jewish for being with us today. I was saying a Jewish president. The, he said the. The no, Jewish. There'll never be a Jewish president because Italians and Jews just, they will never let him in. Never let him in? No. Really? Well, we how many, 46 presidents? Has there ever been an Italian or a Jewish president? No. No. There are very few even Italian mayors and, and stuff. Como got in there, which yeah, I'm not claiming. 
<laughs> no, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's no thanks. He, he's gone. We're not claiming him. I don't blame you. Uh, whenever I guess ready to go, you're always ready to go. Larry Strauss, ladies and gentlemen, with us. The book is called Light Man. Uh, yeah, you know, Larry, by coincidence, because I, I don't ever look ahead to see who's going to be on the show. I, you know, I see your name listed as our guest, but I don't ever look ahead because I, I want a fresh take on everything. And this is exactly the reason why I don't look ahead. I love Charlotte Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just goes, oh, uh-huh. thank you. <laughs> oh, I thought you were, yes, so what? Yes. <laughs> so do I. Cool. No, it's my so, mother. I have to tell you, my, my mom, when she... Um, you know, when she was older and no longer getting mobbed in public, she really, really appreciated the people who, you know, still said things and still had that sentiment. She didn't, she didn't expect it. You know, she figured she'd had her run and it would all sort of fade. So, um, you know, so I'm, it's always nice for me to hear it because I know, you know, it always meant a lot to her. See, that's a wonderful, that's, see, that's great. That's why I, and again, Larry, that's why I never look ahead to see what you're, you were going to be on about because I wanted a fresh take on it. And it was just such a, a pleasant thing to see. Uh, the Facts of Life, how, how, long, how many seasons Facts of Life? Uh, I don't know. It was like nine, eight or nine. I think she was on for seven. Um, I don't know. I wasn't keeping track. I was a young man you know, trying to make my way in the world. I was, <laughs> I let her do her thing, but, uh, but I was most of the eighties. I, oh. I know that. I, it was terrific. And his latest book, Strauss delivers wild humor with relentless humanity. We need more relentless humanity, by the way, Larry. So keep writing. Absolutely. <clears throat> we do. And man. wild humor. And wild, yes, yes, and wild humor. We need to, you're right. <laughs> Inspired by the it's a great combination. Uh, this is this is an interesting take on it. He shared with his parents some struggles on the behalf of their own real-life broken uh, son, his brother, and from d- three decades of Kafka, uh, teaching Kafka to inner-city students of color. Boy, Larry, that, that that's taking some that's that's taking some responsibility right there, pal. Oh, teaching? Yeah, no, it's a big responsibility. It is. I remember uh, I remember when I was hired. This. Um, you know, my first principal who hired me was like, you know, you take care of my babies. And uh, I always took that very seriously. You know, these are, yes. and now, you know, now I feel that way. Now I feel, you know, when a new teacher comes into the school, like, you know, you take care of these kids. They're my kids too. And, uh, you know, some of them, some of them are in their 40s. <laughs> some of my kids yeah. <laughs> who I thought. They're uh, they're grown. They have their own kids. Uh, you know, they have grandkids, and uh, but you know, they're still mine. You know, I still, you know, I worry about them, and uh, you know, want to make sure they're being treated right. <laughs> I love this. In his fifth novel, Light Man, Larry Strauss has created a tragic comic meditation on manhood, paying homage or homage or homage. How I, I hear that still. Hear However, that you pronounce. want to pronounce it. That's isn't it true, Larry? You hear that pronounced <laughs> three different ways still to this mm-hmm. day. I think yeah. it should be homage. Well, that's like, homage, yeah. I think because it's a French word, some people homage. like to do the French pronunciation. Right. Some people, you know, it's like the name ben- Benoit. Some people are Benoit. Some people are Benoit. Yeah, that's true. You know, true. they go back with the French. There's no wrong answer, uh, Tom. But- <laughs> yeah, there's no wrong answer. That's exactly There's no wrong answer, damn it. That's all we know. Um, Larry uh, has created a tragic comic meditation on manhood, paying homage to the quasi-dystopian New York City of his childhood. And his late Where'd you grow up in New York City, Larry? Uh, I grew up on the Upper West Side, 
um, but north of 96th Street, uh, West 106th Street, which was we had a, we lived in a beautiful building, but it was a, a neighborhood that had been in decline. Right. Now, now of course, many years later, it's, it's all been gentrified. There's a doorman in our building. We used to my 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 parents actually started a building association when we moved there, and uh, just to guard the lobby against uh, you know criminals and stuff. So it was you know I remember growing I remember being like eight years old and hearing like machine guns outside of my oh, building. <laughs> and when and and when we found out what it was, it was it was uh, police officers ambushing other police officers like you know. That was like the Serpico days of the New York. Oh, sure. It was, it was just, you know, and so, you know, for me growing up, it all, it just felt like I really just felt the city out of control. You know, it was like a overrun with crime and pestilence. And, uh, and it's just, it, you know, really made an impression on me. And, and the people who, you know, the people who tried to find their way in the, in that city. And that's the, two main characters in the novel are, are two men just trying to figure out where they fit into this world and, um, you know, where they fit with the women they love, uh, struggling to f- kind of find their own manhood in the okay. world. It's so great, Larry. We, we were just talking about the fact, uh, we had a, a guest on earlier, and we were talking about the fact my, my wife and I lived at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue in the early 80s to, the, to 1986. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, got, I got to tell you, we loved living living in New York. We absolutely loved it. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to leave. I mean, that's the the irony of it is I, I didn't, despite all of it, despite, you know, <clears throat> growing up, you know, having to deal with getting mugged as a kid and, and worrying about what streets were safe to go down. Um, I didn't want to leave. My family moved to L.A. in the mid-70s. You know, my mother... Primarily because my uh, the theater wasn't really they just my mother's wasn't getting the parts that oh. you know that she'd been getting in the theater and uh, she had friends out here who were telling her come on out you know you're gonna you can work in TV um, and and you know she'd always believe it or not she'd always want to be a serious actress comedy sort of something that that she was really good at and you know became known for but. She really had always seen herself as a serious actress, and so, um, you know, so she was she was going to stick with the New York thing, but it, it just wasn't working out. And so she came out here, and we moved in the mid seventies. I didn't really want to move. Um, oh, sure. I mean, it was beautiful sure. out here. Compare, you know, L.A. seemed like paradise, but I miss New York. I really, I really, uh, I really miss it. And so, you know, I've always had this kind of. You know, I didn't want to say love hate. It's just a complicated relationship to the city, and um, and so I've, you know, this is so this is a book that's as much for me about that as it is uh, as about the story and and the themes and you know the the you know trying to love each other and trying to fix each other. Um, you know, I I. Have a, I, I had a brother growing up, my my older brother, who was severely developmentally disabled, had a whole very complicated set of, of challenges, and really my my parents, uh, you know, it was a tremendous struggle for them. It was kind of my mother's behind the scenes. I remember, you know, and I, I helped her write her her memoir, The Facts of My Life, uh, a few years before she passed, and 
know, the opening scene of the book is her, my mother at, at while well, she, she was, she was Molly, the, the letter carrier on uh, Sesame street, right. working with all right. these bright kids, you know, but meanwhile, my brother was at Bellevue hospital and he was, you know, his, his situation was deteriorating yeah. and she was really torn between being a mother and being this character who, you know, and, and being an actress and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, being this character for all the other children. And, um, you know, so my parents, you know, they spent a lot of their lives trying to, trying to fix my brother and, and, uh, you know, and, and it was frustrating, but in the end, in the end, it's the act of the, you know, it's the love, it's the act of trying that matters. The result you can't always control. And so, you know, that was always a great source of inspiration to me. So I kind of modeled one of the, one of the characters, um, in the story is, is a man who he can fix. He's uh he's really, he's a really clever guy. He can fix, you know, your toaster, your TV, you know, back in the seventies, remember when people actually got things fixed yeah. instead of just replacing I was them. Say, it's been a while, things, Larry. things were worth fixing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he's, he were, he's, uh, he's the guy you go to in the building when your blender's broken or your radio doesn't work. He can fix anything, but he can't fix his broken son and right. killing him. Larry, it's interesting because, again, I don't look, uh, I don't read ahead who my guests are going to be and what they're on about. And in this case, I'm glad, again, once again, that I didn't because I didn't know your mother was Charlotte Ray. But also, my father was um, paranoid schizophrenic. My father used to see and hear things. Oh, uh, wow. Seven years old, he was institutionalized. And he would wow. be talking to people that weren't there and all the rest of it. So when I, when I saw that paragraph about the light, uh, about light man, I went, God, this, mm-hmm. this is going to be fascinating because uh, I know how that feels, Larry, and it does not feel good. No, no, the powerlessness yep. over it and, yep. you know, just the tragedy of it. And, and um, uh, you know, and of course, I, I grew up, My the interesting thing from my perspective is, for me, my brother, my older brother was superhuman. He was magical. He could, he could have conversation with a clock and seem to hear things that I didn't hear, you know? So for me, um, you know, I didn't think of him as, I mean, I knew that, I knew that, that he had problems, but I also, that I, you know, that, that, that word special that gets applied really was for me really as a kid really was special. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but, but, you know, as I grew up, I saw the world didn't really, didn't really value it. You know, he was, it was hard for him to fit into the world. It was hard for him, you know, to live in the world. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of the tragedy of it too. And I, I think, <clears throat> I think we're finally just maybe starting to, see this in a different way, you know, see people who are mentally challenged in a different way, but we have such a long way to go in terms of understanding or figuring out how to, how do you make their, their lives more meaningful and just better? I mean, especially if, you know, out here in LA, we see people who suffer mental illness on the street and um, you know, and I, you know, as, as, as a child, of course, I always, you know, I always feared that that would be my brother. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, that if we, you know, if we didn't take care of him, he would be, that would be him as well. Um, and 
you know, and then now as an educator, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we're finally starting to confront, you know, that we need to, we need to help our children deal, you know, help our students deal with their own challenges so they don't end up on the street one day. That makes sense. Now, how, how much older was your brother, is your brother than you? He was three and a half years. Three and a half years. Older. So did you, when you first became aware that he, he, you know, had some special problems, did you look inward and go, well, well am I going to, is that going to be me next? Am I going to be like that? Am I going to end up, uh, I you think- know? Yeah, I think I, I think I did. I yeah. think I did. Oh, yeah. But I think mostly, I think mostly though, I, <clears throat> you know, as I said, I, I almost envied aspects of it. You know, the way that he could, you know, kind of transcend the world. You know, it was like, uh, and actually, in in the <clears throat> in the novel, there is a, you know, there are two brothers, and the the younger brother who is. The, the autobiographical character, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's not a big character in the in the story, but he, <clears throat> at one point, he is uh, he does artic- articulate that he tells um, this this ma- this friend of his father's, um, you know, that he believes that his brothers come from another planet, and that you know they need to find his the spaceship and fix it and go back because the planet he came from is better than this one, and that's you know that's kind of, that's that's his, you know, that's his understanding of his brother, that his brother isn't, there's nothing wrong with his brother. He's just on the wrong planet. Right. Right. It was so amazing. Which, about uh, you know, which, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Oh, which, you know, which is how it feels sometimes when you, yep. you see, you know, if you get, if you get, if you get past, you know, our, if, if we get past our sort of our, you know, our fear, our, our, our dread, our, you know, our, the, the tragedy of, of someone with a severe mental illness, we get beyond that. We see, you know, they're not all the same and they, there is something special. And sometimes there's something, you know, very beautiful about them. There's, there's something beyond just, you know, they're crazy and, you know, or they're, they're threatening to us, but it's so hard to get past that. It's so hard to, to see that, um, you know, and that's, that's the tragedy. But, you know, I was able to see it in my brother, of course, you know, because I loved him and I lived right, with him right. and, you know, our parents and because and because my parents, you know, made it clear, you know, that, that he lo- they loved him and they were going to take care of him. You know, my and that my parents were told to get rid of him when he was when when oh, the God. doctors diagnosed him. Uh. That's what that's what people did. Yeah, they did. The great playwright Arthur Miller did that with his son. He institutionalized him from a young age because not because he was a bad, cruel man, because he was told to do it. But uh, my parents refused to do it. They they would not give up on him. Well, the so. Kennedys had, you know, was Rosemary, was that her name? Mm-hmm. Rose Kennedy. Rose, yeah. Yeah, I, it just, you know, it's interesting, Larry. Talking to you has got my, my brain just spinning, looking back on... on the unusual behavior, and if your friends happen to be around, and the way they reacted to it, and yes, uh, isn't that an amazing thing to go through for a little boy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think it's ever. I don't think you know. It's always been with me. Oh yeah. Uh, but of course, yep. as, as a teacher, as a teacher, it it you know it empowers you. You know, it's empowered me to protect kids from that kind of stigmatization yeah. and. 
I mean, I'm very sensitive to any anybody making assumptions about a student based on, you know, some aspect of them. And so I'm very protective of kids who, you know, there are ways that we bully people that we're not even aware of, you know, just making sure. assumptions about them. And so, <clears throat> you know, so I think that's, I think I've been very sensitive to that. Although, I, I you know, I'll say my, I think my mother probably, you know, she was, you know, totally unashamed of my brother. Like, and, you know, there were times, my, my, let me, yeah. let me imagine this. Charlotte Ray is in her 60s. This is after the show, after she left the show. Um, going to visit my brother, who was at a, a developmental center um, about an hour from L.A., and we used to take him out a couple times a month. We'd take him for a steak and steak and lobster at a, like the Sizzler, and then we'd take him for ice cream. And we had this whole ritual. And we we go to the supermarket and buy him stuff, you know, that he liked that he could, you know, have the intervening, um, you know, week week or week. And um, she, I remember her dancing in the aisle with my brother. <laughs> Oh, you know, because oh, he just suddenly said dance. He just suddenly like something came into his head. And he just said dance, and she just went with it. It's like oh. we're gonna dance in the we're gonna dance in the cereal aisle, you know. And God. people walking by and just like, you know. And and of course, you know, there's something very beautiful about it. Sure. Nobody had anything negative to say or about it. It was just it was a little odd. <laughs> Sure, and if they recognized odd. her, really it's, it's Mrs. Garrett is dancing with a very strange-looking man. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, almost like a hallucination. Yeah, but you know, but there's something really beautiful about it too. Like that's you know, mm -hmm. the people are people. Like we don't need to, you know, we don't need to stigmatize anybody. For any of these. I Unless they're hurting somebody. Yeah, you know, there's. Yep. No question. Now, is your is your brother uh, still with us? No, he passed away uh, about twenty two years ago. The reason I ask you that, Larry, is that uh, I get a call one night. I'm Catherine. Uh, Catherine and our daughter are, are here. Our son's usually here, but he just had a baby a couple of days ago, so he's not uh -huh. here. But I never got along with my father. Never. Until I figured out at seven years old, if I did stand up in front of the TV and made him laugh, that he actually would laugh. Wow. That's the only connection I mm -hmm. had with him. I got a call one night. I was 30, 32 years old. I got a call one night, and it said, your father is in the hospital, and he wants to see you. He's dying. And I said, he doesn't want to see me. He never liked me. The only time we ever got along is when I was doing stand-up comedy, right, for him. We just, he never, he never, he doesn't want to see me. He wants to see one of my other brothers, right? And, mm -hmm. and they said, no, he wants to see you specifically. So I drove up to the hospital, about a half hour drive. And the whole way I'm thinking, what is this all about, really? And I'm by far, I'm like five and a half inches taller than my other, other brothers. I'm, a, I'm much bigger than my other brothers. I got four brothers, and they're all at least five inches shorter than me. And, you know, they're just, so. I get to the hospital, I walk in, and there's my father, 62 years old. He weighs 80 pounds. He's not going to make it more than a couple of more hours or days or whatever it was. You know, gonna, within a few days, he's going to be dead. There's no question. And he had yeah. tubes down his throat, so he couldn't talk. So he had this pad, and he was writing on this pad for about a half an hour. And then the pad, he laid it that face down on his chest, and he signaled for me to come over and get it. 
And I thought, what is, what is he going to say on this pad? Is he going to tell me he loves me because he's never told me that before? Is he going to tell me, hey, I'm sorry for the way I treated you because he's never told me he's sorry either? I turned it around, and it was the fact that I was such a big person. It said, get me out of here. That's what it said on the paper. Uh-huh. Isn't that an amazing? Uh-huh. But you understand that, uh-huh. that mentally ill people do think that way. Did you get him yes. out of there? Yeah, in a casket. No, he died. He died. What? Forty-eight hours later. No, because get yeah, get me out of there is. I mean, I actually went through that with my father when there, he was older. There you go. You know, he would he would get, um, you know, he would get confused and he would get a little dementia and, and yeah, I remember him being in the hospital and and saying the same thing. But I and I understood it. It wasn't just get me out of the hospital. It was get me out of this. Get me out of all of it. All Get me out of the <laughs> yes, state right. that my mind is in. Get yep. me out of old age. Like, you know, just help, you know, yeah. the, that desperation. Can we help each other? And, uh, hey, mate, that's a good time. You know. Maybe LSD is useful. Yeah, maybe. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm yeah. not kidding you. Maybe right. LSD could be useful in that situation, could be. man. It could be. You're Absolutely. Right I mean, if we're, if we're using morphine and painkillers, um, yeah, that's just you know, for the body, though. Right? Why not? Why not um, help the mind go to another state? Yeah, I think it could be Good something point. they should look into. You know, the great yeah. thing, Larry, is someday you come to Minneapolis, you and I sit down and have dinner or lunch, and we'll just weep openly at the table. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do that. Sounds like fun. Well, that's half the population here. <laughs> and that's half the population. That's exactly right. Larry, I am really, really happy that we had you on today because people need to understand what it's like to live in a home that it is not like everybody else's home, and everybody in the neighborhood knows your house is not like everybody else's uh, yeah, that's a lot on your shoulders, Larry, for a guy three and a half years younger. And a lot of a people lot. on the street too. Yeah. Oh yep. yeah. No, the opening the opening chapter is all about the park and being at the park and the kid, the six year old with the diaper has a conniption and you know oh, what God. happens and how people react oh, and how God. a father gets his son to calm down and how another man watching that is inspired and says that's. That's I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to be a guy like that, mm. who figured out how to calm his son down in the park when everyone's just staring at them. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's know. where it all starts. Light man. <laughs> Light man's the name of the book. Uh, you can pre-order it Amazon. Uh, when's it available? Uh, should be within weeks. Uh, the actually the ebook. Anyone who reads books um, on devices, it's already available uh, in that format. The, uh, the 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 printed book probably w- within uh, within a few weeks. And uh, I appreciate anyone who pre-orders. Um, uh, uh, do, doing a great a great favor to a uh, to a to a writer with an in- independent press who uh, you know doesn't have a big publisher behind him. Yeah, it's a great thing. It's going to be released on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. November 25th. But, but you can pre-order it now. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-order. And uh, if uh, if anyone has a book club, you know, wants to read it for their book club and uh, have me visit them virtually, I will happily do that. You can, That's you know, great. find me through Twitter or, you know, message me. It's not... People always people who hate my USA Today columns always find a way to reach me. <laughs> anyone, 
it's it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. Larry, you got to go on a book tour and you got to come in the studio. We'd love to see you. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I would love to be there. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Larry Strauss, it's S-T-R-A-U-S-S. There are two S's, S-T-R-A-U-S-S. Larry Strauss, it's called Light Man. Uh, it's always interesting to talk to somebody who had a mentally ill family member because they do under, it, man, you go through the same things. Yeah. Just this bizarre behavior, you know. He was good, though. There was at one point he started cracking the voice a little bit. You hear that? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to talk about stuff that's painful. It is indeed. we got to take a break and be right back right after this. Tom here for all my friends at Profile. We are running out of summer and rolling into fall. Kids are back in school, and now it's time to finally do something for yourself. So maybe you're thinking it's time to get back on track with your health. Well, Profile can really help you out. Profile has a variety of plans to fit any budget, and Profile really works. I've been on the program for over six months. I've lost a ton of weight. I feel so good right now, and it's time for me to maintain taking all that weight off. You know what I'm talking about. Danette, my personal coach, will help me maintain my weight loss. She has so far done a great job. Profile has helped me and can help you too. So what are you waiting for? Set up an absolutely free, no obligation consultation today, and you will be glad you did. Visit ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities for more details. In fact, use promo code Tom Barnard and save 100 bucks off your Profile membership. What a deal. Check out ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. That's ProfilePlan.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. I believe we really do. I believe we do. You're all leaving early? What time are you leaving? I have to leave early. We're going to Nashville. <laughs> Gotta get going. I have to get... I'm going to open this Airheads White Mystery. Airheads? Okay, I oh, looked at that God. yesterday and I was like, White Mystery, that's going to be my, like... I don't know. Airheads was something that came out, I think, when you were a kid. I remember eating a lot of Airheads. But yeah, White Mystery. I was like, that's like a somebody's drag name or something. White Mystery. What smell? (laughs) (laughs) There's not a lot of smell. No, no smell. Here we go. White Mystery. What's the mystery? What could it be? What could it be? Sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar flavored. Sugar flavored. Not much of a mystery there. It has has literally no flavor. Has no flavor. It tastes like sugar. It's like gum. Like yeah. flavorless gum. That's what candy no, is. It's like sugar. Sugar. Oh. sugar with garbage sugar. in it. Sugar. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, well, it's not good for you, but it is good. A hell of a guest list today, I thought. Our guests today were terrific. Yes. They had a nice really good time. Yeah, nice. Buddy White was great. <laughs> she really did. Betty After you said that, I'm like, she totally does sound like Betty oh, White. I pick Especially up on, the last. I pick up on voices quick, and I'm like, that's Betty White. <laughs> I yeah. pick up. That's something that I have too, because like having Dad be in voiceover and like hearing his voice, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm really good at if I hear somebody's voice, I'm like, oh, that's that guy from that movie, or like you know, whatever. My favorite thing, what Dave and I like to do is we when we watch TV shows, we'll see an actor and we try and see. 
what two actors, if they got together, had that baby, and that's the actor. And I, I just came across, uh, well, Jacob Fry, Mayor of Minneapolis. I'm like, God, he looks familiar to me, to like oh, an yeah. actor, and I couldn't figure out. He looks like a mix of Patrick Dempsey and Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle Rico. I saw you went to see Dave Chappelle, and yes. I was watching Dave Chappelle. And I, I was like, when I now when I you get a little older, and now when I look at Dave Chappelle, all I can see is Whoopi Goldberg, and that's and it sounds just like him too. She he sounds like Whoopi Goldberg when he talks. He does. If you put a, right, wig no, on, right. a wig on 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 him, he would be Whoopi Goldberg. Oh really? Are and he think- sounds exactly like her. He talk. It's their identical voice. Oh God, that that show was so good, so good, and the documentary is really well. I I don't know where it's I. Is it going to be released on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it is on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, the new documentary that we watched, the Untitled. Oh, that I. No, yeah, that's the one I we screened at the at the show. It's a whole new documentary. It's basically yeah. um, when COVID hit, uh, he wanted to keep working. So in his hometown in Ohio, right, yeah. uh, he created like this event, and he just kept putting on shows. He was bringing in different comedians, uh, you know, like Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, Bob Saget. Um, so they're all in there. And Michelle Wolf, the yeah. comedian, she ended up, I think she was doing something with Dave Chappelle, and then the shutdown happened. So she ended up having to live with them because she couldn't get home. So she, You know, calling Michelle Wolf a comedian is kind of a loose Yeah, it's a stretch. Yeah, but I, <laughs> you want to know what, though? Seeing her in this documentary kind of changed my perspective on her. Yeah. Huh. She is not a nice person. Yeah, you and, do know that, right? Yeah, I mean, but in the documentary, because I, I know that of her right. not being the nicest person to be around but in the documentary she was very pleasant in that and and just to kind of see you kind of get a better introspect on her in her personality versus like she's got a lot of insecurities i'll just say that when nancy was out of town she went and seen whitney cummings at a theater a larger theater Mm-hmm. And she said Whitney Cummings after the show stayed there till the very last person that took a selfie <laughs> with every go. single person in go. that theater. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's saying something. That's no, a lot. You're right. You're, you're talking right about that. Two thousand yeah. people. Yeah, hours. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's some. I mean, I know, commitment to your fans. I never thought I'd see Justin Bieber Bieber perform live. <laughs> Justin Bieber. <laughs> Justin, Bieber. I like Probably Bieber from better. Canada. Yeah. Well, was it Justin Bieber and who else? Was somebody else? Usher. Oh, Usher. 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 Yes. I know. I like. I keep hearing about everything that happened that night, and I'm like, what? This even what? Who? Well, what? they kept it very low. They all it said was uh, Dave Chappelle and friends. Now, like the the kind of the MC for the comedians was Jeff Ross. Yeah, so he right, was there. Right. Um, they had a, another two other comedians, and then Dave Chappelle came out. We them or no, we watched the the movie. Then he came out. He kind of did some comedy, and then uh, Justin Bieber came out. Then Usher, and then Dave Chappelle came back out, and he actually sang. Well, he was like, it, he can sing. No, no, no. Oh, it was, was more. It was more of sing. a comical thing. But like, he wanted to. He did uh, Prince's 1999. Yeah, he, he just did a Prince thing. Really? Yeah, he did. He wanted to. He loves Prince, and actually, they just posted pictures on Instagram yesterday. The whole crew for the show went and, uh, to Paisley Park um, and stuff like that. And we, they had, uh, I think her name was Ruth. Prince's assistant, longtime assistant, was at the show. Oh, okay. Because I guess Dave Chappelle became good friends with her. Um, there was a lot of other celebrities there and then they had uh george floyd's family was there 
um, and some other prominent local people at the show. But yeah, it was it was very good. I thought it was well done. It kept in it just like it felt like it just wasn't going to end. Like it's like okay, I don't want to leave yet. What's going to happen next on stage? But Dave Chappelle, he was great, and it was great to see him live. That's a check off my bucket list right there. You know what's amazing about about it? He is smart enough. He realized uh, all these people that went after him mm-hmm. when he just talking about the trans people and all that stuff. And he's actually very good friends with mm-hmm. whatever. But he was smart enough to realize these frauds are white. I'm black. They're not going to come after me forever. This is going to last about two days. Well, he also he also knows that controversy sells. Mm-hmm. And then right. I'll finish my sentence. Uh, you're doing it again. Man. You never ever let me finish my sentence. Why is that? Well, you you st- always do. Because you stop a sentence and then I you know. start again. <laughs> so well, I know. That's because I'm. <laughs> it's thought provoking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say very quickly that he that he knows that these people are cowards. The very mm-hmm. people that'll rip you to shreds on social media are the biggest cowards on this planet because they'd never do it in person. Yeah, and I think Dave Chappelle knows that. He knows he has millions of fans everywhere. And he's just like, I'm rich. What are you gonna do? You yeah, know, I'm well, doing my thing. Yeah. This is my thing. Well, you know, he's right. well, and, same with Joe Rogan. It's controversy that sells. And Dave Chappelle did not say anything negative about anybody at the show. No. And the first comedian that came out was a transgender comedian. Yeah, that's yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I think her name was <clears throat> Pink Fox or Pink Pinky Fox or something like that. She, hilarious. I've never heard of her, but she was hilarious and. You know, I mean, actually, he was just kind of more pushing the whole George Floyd thing because, you know, he's in Minneapolis and... What do you um, mean pushing the George Floyd thing? Well, it was part of his documentary that he did because when he was doing these events, that's when the whole George Floyd thing happened and it blew up across the country, across the world. And um, for him to come here, he, he was just... He gave Minneapolis a lot of gratitude. What venue was it at? Target Center. Oh, Target Center. Yes, and I'll be going to the Target Center again this weekend. <laughs> what's, what's this weekend? AEW. ADW. AEW Wrestling. Oh, wrestling. I, don't know what I was like, is. I don't know. Wrestling. Chris Jericho. AEW. Oh, it's Chris Jericho. Yeah. Right. I don't know anything about wrestling. Yeah, it's a new wrestling. As, the, as your new DJ on KQ says, wrestling. Wrestling. Wait, what new DJ? Your new daytime DJ. What do you have it? Oh, Woody. Oh, yeah, he Woody calls does, it he says wrestling. He calls yeah. it wrestling. A lot of guys say wrestling on purpose. It's wrestle. <laughs> yeah, because um, um, I used to hang out with all those AWA guys back in the day. So yeah. AEW, is where, where, where's that based it's, out of? Well, it's the division, right? Well, yeah, it's not part of WWF. It's right, a separate. Yeah. I don't know. Do they call it a federation? <laughs> I think it's a federation. They broke some wrestlers broke off. Wrestlers broke off. Yeah, it's Chris, <laughs> actually, Chris Jericho runs yeah. AEW. Oh, he does. They, they okay. broke yes. off. They had enough of the WWE. Yeah. yeah, so like they well, have their own like they have like oh, I can't remember what is it USA on that network that they play AEW wrestling. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. not positive anymore. It's it's so convoluted and the streaming and what networks are what is very hard to decipher. But yeah, so I'm taking my boys to go see some of that, especially my youngest son who didn't get to go on the Chris Jericho cruise. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sure. And he loves wrestling, so I'm going to take him and he'll he'll have a good time. So That'll be good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I will tell you this, that all of my friends that I lifted weight, weights with back in the AWA, zero of them are still alive. They're all mm-hmm. dead. Uh, all. It Tough was, life. 
on the, on the cruise, uh, Jake the Snake was there. Oh, yeah. It's sad. Oh, it's really sad. Really oh, he's, sad? He's around the bend, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, just yep. to kind of see see uh, how frail walking. they look at that age. It's <laughs> oh, just... Nice. It's true. No, it is. They look You're like right. dead man walking around. Yeah. It's true, Well, yeah. the, the hits and all the physical exertion that happens in wrestling it has to take a toll on your body and, it's probably like football and, i mean you're getting and, thrown around and drugs and drugs oh, and, and steroids alcohol. You, you know. and alcohol. don't yes. forget alcohol but just the physicality of it has to play a huge part on you know getting hurt constantly so then you have to take pain medication right, then you get hooked right. on the pain medication and you start well, self-medicating they don't street they don't drug test in WWE. i don't believe I have no idea. <laughs> no. They didn't back then, anyway. No, they didn't back, back then. They didn't. People well, were they, doing steroids too, so steroids take a big toll on the heart. And all oh, the do they ever? And then no street doubt. drugs on top of that. A lot of cocaine was flowing. Mm-hmm. So, I can't even imagine if I had done steroids how big I would have gotten. Because I got well, up to three seventeen without be them. Oh, I'd be dead. I'd be dead. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But it uh, is a whole different world. It was fun. Back when we were in our, you know, 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. but once these guys hit their 50s, it starts falling apart. And if they get to 60, good luck. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But Chris Jericho, he's he, I don't really know much about him. He's he, he's a pretty sizable guy, I'm assuming. He's not very <coughs> tall, but he's built. Yeah, yeah. Stays, Is it steroid muscle? No, he so. looks naturally. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah he oh, that's actually good. he looks pretty good. I mean, good. he doesn't he doesn't look like he's done drugs or you know had a hard life who's all the guys with the they almost look like looked like the prince of saudi arabia with the beat with the perfect beards and who's oh, I, the, what's that team of wrestlers? i have no idea i <laughs> i don't pay attention i just if it's on i'll watch it yeah there, there's some pretty big pretty big guys in wrestling right now oh yeah they oh, aren't steroids real? yeah they're just naturally big dudes oh really oh yeah yeah and I good look know. and good looking a lot of ones are good looking. That wasn't when I was a kid. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> like they look like the, the prince crusher. of Saudi Arabia. Oh really? The guy who rules. Have you ever seen his picture? Oh, the prince, the yeah. real prince. Yeah, oh look, yeah. yeah, he looks they look like, like a, him. He looks like a GQ model. Yeah, they look like him. These guys, these wrestlers. Oh wow. Do. Yeah, it's you know, I I love the old wrestling, like the old WWF days with Andre the Giant, oh, yeah, Hulk the Hogan, childhood. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is one of my faves. People, a lot of people don't like Hulk Hogan, but whatever you think about him, he's the guy who put put it on the map. Oh, we have a caller. Hulk Hogan put wrestling on the map, right? In my opinion. Oh, I think he certainly helped a lot. Yeah. There's no doubt about well, that. Well, let's ask Officer Dave what he thinks about Officer wrestling. Officer Dave, yeah, you're a steroid case. Let's talk to you. <laughs> Well, can you imagine how big I'd have been if I'd have taken steroids? Oh, now? my God. Yeah, you'd have been sizable. There's no doubt about it. You would have been a building. Speaking of that, how big of a baby were oh you? Oh, my God. There's no way. How no big, way in heck. How big were you when you were born? I was I was normal size. I was 8 pounds, 13 ounces, something really? like that. Really? Really? That's pretty yeah. big. Well, well, it's not 22 yeah, pounds. Not huge. <laughs> yeah, it's on the bigger end, but not... 22 pounds. Well, that's insanity. Indeed. So, yeah. But, yeah, that that whole lifestyle, like Nick said, was just the cocaine, the drugs, the booze, the yep. steroids, yeah. the, all that stuff. No. I'm glad he didn't, Tommy. That way, you know, you'll make it to 
Don't make it to 110 like you were talking about with Doc yeah. yesterday. Your heart rate was 150. They'll still be on no. KQ. <laughs> I'll still be doing a morning show on KQ. So listen, this is an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be fantastic. I can't wait. That'll be perfect. Yep. All right, Bill, when are you coming in so, again? When do you want me? Well, whenever you can make come, it. Come on Wednesday when I'm here. Dude, I work on Wednesdays, Nick. Some of us have jobs. Don't yet. Don't they have that blue flu going around lately? Oh <laughs> my God! There, there you go. That's real nice. Not quite yet. Not, not yet. Quite, huh? quite gotten that. Well, not in your yet, department, but... anyway. I know Minneapolis has had a lot yeah, of problems with the flu. <laughs> we're we're too we're too damn small for that. We're yeah. down to we're down to trying to fill four shifts with three cops. Oh, we got God. one on maternity oh. leave. I saw yesterday. One, um, there was more active shooters in the city of Minneapolis than there was police on duty. <laughs> There's a shock. How'd that ever happen? Doesn't um, surprise me. Are you on your cell phone right now? Yes, I am. What if it gets defunded while you're talking? <laughs> oh, this this is my personal, personal one. Oh, so it won't get defunded by no. you. No. Well, unless it's by me, yeah. I right. might get thrown out the window one of these days. Well, you got to get in here before, before sometime before Christmas. You got to come in and do a show. So figure out what's good for you. All right, all right, man. I will do that. You Thanks, guys pal. travel safely. Have fun in Nashville. Love you all. Take care. Love you too, pal. We'll talk to you soon. That's gonna do it. Talk to you. Uh, actually, not until next Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh yeah. Because again, if I don't get to bed till ten o'clock Monday night, there is no way I'm doing a morning show. But I'll probably do the podcast. Okay. Perfect. Just go let ahead. me know go so I know at, what's going go, on. Ashley, give me that option. I think Andy no. is planning on coming <laughs> okay. in okay. Tuesday, but he'll keep you posted. Let you not do the show. Yeah, at least Tuesday. Uh, the flight gets in at eight o'clock. So. Then oh, I got to yeah. get all my stuff and get home. By the time I settle in and fall asleep, it'll be at, at least ten o'clock, and I get up at two thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it's no hard to run on five hours of sleep. It's hard when you get older. It's even harder. I I can't do it. I have to get at least seven hours. I get severe brain fog where I'm just like, I can't. Well, I get severe grumpy fog. Not you. <laughs> All right. Grumpy we'll fog. talk to you next week with the family. <laughs>